0: Why do you think that some myths about vaping, such as vaping beer more harmful than smoking or vaping nicotine uh, causing cancer, um despite despite the fact that these myths have been debunked yet, uh why do you think that they are still so common? Why do you think that there's still so many people believing in them? Or what are we doing wrong?
1: Yeah, well, the reasons are, are not scientific, the reasons are political. Like, uh, in a, uh, just to make it uh, very, very fast, uh, vaping is a disruptive technology. Hello, world. Welcome to the Vaping Unplugged podcast. Everything you need to know about vaping and tobacco harm reduction.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Vaping Unplugged. My name is Alberto Gomez Hernandez. And for those of you who have not met me yet, I am the community manager of War Vapers Alliance for Spain and Latin America and I'm very happy to welcome you to this program. Today we will discuss some of the most extended myths on vaping, some of the most common misconceptions are on vaping, and we're going to do so with a very special guest. We have today uh, Roberto Sussman, Dr. Roberto Sussman from Mexico with us. Dr. Sussman is a senior researcher in physics at the Institute of Nuclear Science of the U- National University of Mexico, and is the founder and director of Provapeo Mexico AC, which is a nonprofit association that represents mexican consumers of non-combustible nicotine products um welcome dr susman and thank you very much for joining us for being here with us today it's a pleasure
1: yeah thank you very much uh, i'm
0: happy to thanks for inviting me thank you very much you are welcome we're very very happy to to have you here um and let's start talking about vaping misinformation and uh, the misconceptions that are, are going around about vaping because this is a, a very special very important topic that we need to tackle and um i wanted to ask you um as a person that has been uh defending vaping from misinformation for many years why do you think that some myths about vaping such as vaping being more harmful than smoking or vaping nicotine uh, causing cancer um Despite despite the fact that these myths have been debunked yet, uh, why do you think that they are still so common? Why do you think that there is still so many people believing in them? Or what are we doing wrong?
1: Yeah, well, the reasons are, are not scientific. The reasons are political. Like uh, in a, a, just to make it uh, very very fast, uh, vaping is a disruptive technology. You have a global technocracy that has been Uh, fighting against uh, smoking uh, because smoking cigarettes is very harmful so you have this technocracy that they they have been decades fighting uh, smoking trying to uh, fight uh, to make people not not to smoke Uh, and they have their own methods which are essentially high taxes stigma of smokers they fight the tobacco industry and uh, they have their own their way of doing it. And we're talking about thousands of people, which is a, lo- a lot of money uh, invested in this technocracy. Suddenly they thing comes and um, it completely disrupts the way they operate and they are resistant to that. It, it is always the case when you have an innovation that disrupts a modus vivendi, a modus operandi of a powerful technocracy, there's going to be resistance. And uh, unfortunately, this is what happens. It's it's not a scientific, uh, from a scientific point of view, there are many issues about vaping that we already know. We don't know everything, but we know a lot. And uh, to such a degree that you have the government of uh, the United Kingdom is a developed country with an excellent system of of public health, and this government is uh, supporting the use of e-cigarettes to address the problem of smoking. And also New Zealand, and in the European Union, it is tolerated. The place where you have much more resistance is the United States. But look at the United States, among all developed countries, it has the worst public health system. In the United States, health is business. And, uh, well, it is a complex problem, but it is political, essentially. It is political, but we have to address this misinformation providing information, right, with science, at, in the end, uh, sci-
0: uh, science will triumph over politics. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that is not something scientific behind it, rather political. And as you said on a positive note, we have the truth, the science is on our side. So eventually if we keep communicating this, we hopefully are going to win this fight. Mm. Um you actually have done a lot of communication on this and I want to ask you on some of the of the work you have done because you have been working uh, studying uh, the components of of vaping vapor uh, the method the metals that are on the vapor and I want to ask you about the differences between smoke from cigarettes and vapor from the vaping devices because many people still believe that vaping and smoking is as harmful and that vapor and smoke is the same Why is it not the same how does it affect differently?
1: Well it is very different because uh, you know, There are similarities. First, it's a nicotine delivery, right? And then the ritual is very similar. You put something in your mouth, you inhale, and then you exhale something that is visible like a gas. But that's it. That's the end of the similarities. Because you have to consider what is what you are inhaling. It is like, uh, I have this bottle, I can put in this bottle poison cyan, cyanidric acid, whatever, any horrible poison. I, I drink this and I get sick. But if this has water, then or Coca Cola or milk or whatever. So and the ritual is the same. See, I, I do this. It's the same ritual. Mm-hmm. Now, a tobacco smoke is a very complex uh, system of aerosols. Because it is very different The tobacco that you inhale tobacco smoke that you inhale and the tobacco smoke that is being released to the environment from the tip of the cigarette this is the side stream emission it makes like about 80 percent of what is released to the environment we inhale this 20 percent now imagine at the tip of the cigarette you have 900 degrees when you ignite it. And these 900 degrees have to be cooled and transported to your mouth at 30 degrees. So, the amount of physicochemical processes that do this transport and cooling is very complicated and it also, it uses oxygen because combustion uses oxygen. And oxygen is an extremely active, reactive uh, uh, compound. So you generate a jungle of of compounds. You can generate up to 7,000 detected compounds, of which about 1,000, 1,500 are toxic and 70 are carcinogenic. And this Mm -hmm. is the stuff that you are putting inside of of your lungs. On the other hand, how does Uh, electronic cigarettes or vaporizers, what? Very simple. It's a very simple process. You supply energy to a battery. The battery will heat a liquid and will generate a vapor. Vapor is liquid in the form of gas. And when you inhale, you condense this vapor and you form little droplets and that's it now the the uh, how many compounds 7000 in in cigarettes and maybe 100 150 compounds in the aerosol oh, and of those compounds like 99% of what you find in the cigarette in the smoke are, is absent doesn't exist here mm-hmm. and you do have some toxic compounds uh like three, four aldehydes, but in quantities that are tiny, very, very small. Because you see, when people say, oh, it has toxic substances, that's irrelevant. You have to say how much of these toxic substances. You have to provide a dose or a concentration. And once you measure the concentrations in in well-done experiments, you can see that the toxic uh, content of electronic cigarette aerosols is insignificant. It's like 1% at most of the toxic compound of cigarettes. Now, this when people say it is equally harmful, that's, that's, uh, that's like saying that the earth is flat. It's a complete lie. It's a complete misinformation. It cannot be because of the toxic content. See, disease is formed by inhaling or ingesting, uh, putting in your body compounds that are toxic, right? So, if the quantity of toxic compounds that you are putting in your body is so much reduced, that means that it cannot be equal, right? Now, we don't know uh, because... We know, we know that certain compounds enter your body and cause a disease, but there are still many mechanisms that we don't know. Now, this is very important. Some people say, oh, we don't know the long-term effects. Yeah, okay, we cannot travel 50 years in the future and find out, but there are some indirect evidence that support the claim that whatever harms that can happen by inhaling the electronic cigarette aerosol over many 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 years whatever damage is going to be very small minute in comparison with the damage that will cause you to continue smoking and this is there are two examples to 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 explain this one There is evidence, very strong evidence, that smokers who smoke for 10 years, let's say from 18 to 28 years, they smoke two packs a day. And they quit smoking at the age of 28. And you follow these people all their lives. They are basically equivalent to people who never smoke. This is important, if you're a smoker, you smoke 10 years and you quit, that's it. You basically eliminate the harms that smoking will cause you. Because smoking doesn't kill in one week or in five years. It takes decades to kill, right? So if you quit smoking, that's it. Now, if instead of smoking you vape, In 10 years, you are going to put much less toxic contents, right? In a sense, what I'm saying is if smoking takes decades to kill or to make you sick, vaping is likely to take centuries, much longer than the time we live, right? Another issue is that, and, and here I finish this explanation suppose that smoking was discovered today right because people say oh it took us many decades to find out that smoking was harmful but that was 50 years ago when science was much less developed if smoking was invented today we would know in a matter of weeks that it is very toxic right
0: right i completely agree and and i think it's it's very important to also debunk the idea that because there is no long-term evidence about vaping yet that means that vaping is harmful or or that we have to discard the short-term and medium-term evidence because obviously as you said if you can tell how different the harm is from between vaping and smoking in a short term uh is also much is also very likely that in the long term it's still much less harmful right and um one one of the things that uh you commented is that when when people smoke cigarettes, uh, a huge part of the smoke, uh, is not inhaled by them, but it goes out to the environment. Um, yeah. this does not happen with vaping as much, as far as I understand, does, does this, does this, right? So does this rule out the possibility of like secondhand vaping or passive vaping? Because many governments, you know, they apply the same regulations to vaping and cigarettes for, for example, smoke-free areas or, uh, Vaping in restaurants or in public spaces. What do you think about this? Why is it not?
1: Yeah, yes, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned secondhand uh, environmental emissions. The uh, first fact is that there is no side stream emission in vaping because there is no burning tip of anything. So the only thing that is released to the environment is what you exhale. That's all. Now, the body, human body, will retain about 90% of whatever is inhaled. This is already measured, right? So you already inhale an aerosol that is relatively benign, has no, has very few, very little content of toxicity. And 90% of what you inhale stays there. So what you exhale is extremely diluted. But there is another issue. The chemistry of the of the uh, aerosol. Most of the compounds in electronic cigarette aerosol are volatile. What does it mean volatile? They easily evaporate, right? You you have droplets, right, that are transported by a gas of the same composition: propylene glycol, glycerol, uh, some water. In in, a, in a minute, very very small by amount of of a trace level byproducts, right? So you inhale this, ninety percent is retained, and what you exhale, it's material that rapidly evaporates, right? That's why you can vape in one room without everybody noticing it because it evaporates. So. Uh, Bystanders are exposed to a very diluted, with an extremely low amount of toxicity, and uh, it disperses very fast, so the exposure time is very short. (laughs) Compare this with smoking. You smoke, and uh, you know that the the components of uh, tobacco smoke are mostly non-volatile, they do not evaporate, (laughs) that's why the smoke remains so uh, a bystander is exposed to a much larger share of toxicity for a long time right (laughs) now we are comparing a secondhand vapor as you, you want to call it like this with secondhand smoke now we can compare it with other pollutants like for example cooking aerosols, they also stay in the environment, and they have a larger toxical, uh, toxic content than, than, than e-cigarette aerosols, and then pollution. I'm, writing a, I'm now writing a paper comparing how much you inhale by being in a polluted city like Mexico City, how much you inhale by being four hours outdoors in Mexico City, comparing this with waiting 16 hours because it's 16 hours of wakefulness time right and the result is that if you are four hours in mexico city you are inhaling 200 times more metals than if you are vaping, right now you say oh mexico city is very polluted but even if you compare With areas with much less air pollution or even indoor pollution, vaping, you still inhale more toxic compounds in normal uh, environmental conditions because of a very simple reason. When you are inhaling, you are exposed to vaping aerosols only while you inhale, or if you are outside, only the time it takes to evaporate. It takes about mm-hmm. 20 seconds for an exhalation between 10 and 20 seconds to evaporate, right? So, and it is an intermittent uh, form of pollution, right? On the other hand, the normal pollution, whether it is indoors or outdoors, is all the time. It's a continuous exposure, see? so. There is absolutely no justification to, to prohibit vaping in indoor spaces. However, uh, this is a, it is an issue that if somebody comes and tells me, look, I know that your exhaled vapor is not going to kill me, but it bothers me. You don't have the right to make me breathe what you are exhaling. And these people are right. It is a little bit like music. If I enter Mm -hmm. a library with a ghetto blaster or with a Beethoven fifth symphony, people are going to tell me, hey, with what right you are putting so much music and noise in a library? And they are right because sound is also intrusive the same way as exhalations. However, the fact that you do not want people to put loud music in a library doesn't mean that you have to forbid loud music in spaces where people voluntarily go to listen to this music. And the same thing is for waiting. See, Spaces where you can wait, there have to be comfortable indoor spaces where you can wait. And somebody who doesn't like that will not go there. So what it is not acceptable is a blanket ban, like smoking. In the case of smoking, there is justification. But in the case of vaping, there is no health justification. There is only a matter of uh, courtesy. It's a matter of not forcing people to have an involuntary exposure to your errors
0: that's yeah it's it's a matter of respect absolutely and and we have to differentiate very carefully about the respect argument and the health uh, issue and uh, actually about what you just mentioned i remember there is a, another academic study that was t- that was uh done in madrid in which they compared the uh particles inhaled in vaping aerosols and what is inhaled in the streets of madrid and of course, um, the aerosol is just completely irrelevant in comparison with uh, what you inhale in a normal day in the street of Madrid, which is a city that probably much less polluted than Mexico City. But still, it's, it's, the comparison doesn't make any sense. Um, doctor, To before we finish the podcast, I, I wanted to ask you, you are from Mexico. What do you think is the most common misconception about vaping in your country?
1: Well. Mexico is a basket case because, uh, well, it's completely—it's again—it's a political issue. But in the case of Mexico, we have the uh, health ministry completely; uh, it's on denial. It's uh, always a- so they they, they they the the main contention they present vaping as a Trojan horse of the tobacco industry. In fact. In Mexico, uh, I, I am uh, defamed all the time. There's a libel saying that I am paid by the industry. But it is, it is just a narrative. It is just, a, it is just defamation. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, in Latin America, um, Amer- uh, groups, anti-tobacco groups, which are really anti-vaping groups, like campaigns for tobacco-free kids, Bloomberg, philanthropies, they are very much, uh, they lobby very intensely our governments and they give resources and they give grants and so on. So they have too much influence. And uh, say that's, but but it will change. See, what happens in Latin America is that vaping is is banned in many countries. But the authorities are not, the law enforcement is very relaxed. So you do have a lot of black market and grey market and so on. And uh, basically what happens is that uh, the top officials of the health ministry, they will get grants and they will get recognition from Bloomberg Philanthropies and the WHO and so on. But in practice they they don't do anything, they are very incompetent. For example, in Mexico, smoking has remained stable for about 10 or 15 years, right? And vaping is booming. There is a big informal market that is increasing. And the main contention they say, they say that it is lethal. Ah, and they use the avali crisis as if it was happening. now. Yeah. That for them, the Evali crisis didn't finish, which the valley crisis was related to THC, illegal THC diluted with uh, vitamin E, and it finished the first days of 23 t- years ago.
0: But for the
1: Mexican government, it is still going on, right?
0: <laughs> yeah crazy they are contributing uh to things like this to happen because let's just remember to everyone that when products are on the black market and and they they don't uh pass through safety regulation or quality controls this is the stuff that can happen this doesn't happen in the legal market
1: yeah they they uh, also there's a big fuss well this is propagated from the united states the so-called teen vaping epidemic. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of teenagers that vape, but most of them are are exploring it. Very few of them remain frequent users, and those are mostly the ones that have already smoked or are bound to smoke. Now, in Mexico, Latin America, there is also a lot of uh, panic, moral panic about teenagers and so on. But paradoxically, the, the, the worst way that you can protect uh, teenagers and to keep vaping as an adult consum- consumer product is by regulating. If you do not regulate, then how can you control that? But absolutely anyway we are dealing here with technocrats who really the only thing they want is to get recognition from the who and to get maybe a job in Bloomberg Philanthropy and so on so they really don't care what's going on
0: in the street right absolutely uh well we're going to an end thank you very much uh dr susman for joining us it was a real pleasure thank you now you're welcome and uh <laughs> happy late <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and thank you all for watching i hope you enjoyed this episode of vaping unplugged and i hope that you liked it and su- subscribe for more episodes and if you want to learn more about the myths on vaping that we were discussing with dr susman uh and how to best debunk them uh, i just want to encourage everyone to check out our website we are joining a. Uh, community campaign on baby myths and how to fight misinformation so lots of information and materials there for for everyone to use to fight misinformation so thank you so much for watching and see you next time see you Bye-bye. bye bye